for the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland, in for Kate Scott. On today's show, our beer and analytics expert, Eno Saris, joins us to talk about the versatility of Mauricio Dubon. How do the Giants define the roles in their new pitching rotation? And how do they build the platoons for the upcoming 2020 season? It's Wednesday, February 26th. Welcome in Eno Saris. Now, I mentioned last week he's our noted beer expert, but he also knows a little bit about baseball. Uh, Eno, coming off of probably my favorite article of yours, maybe all time. Is it funny when you cover like all sorts of different stuff and then you write an article about beer and everyone's like, yeah, man, this is this is your calling. That's right. I, I used to have a website called Beer Graphs where we just uh, we ranked all the beers and we had beer stats, advanced beer stats, beers above replacement even. So... <laughs> It's been a sort of secondary beat for me, a, a hobby maybe. I used to run a beer magazine called October too. So, you know, I've been in and out on that one and uh, I still enjoy beer, but I prefer not writing about it anymore. I'd rather just drink it. Yeah, it's, it's more fun when you can drink it. Uh, you probably don't want to have to write after you drink it either. Um, and it's more fun <laughs> probably to cover baseball when you drink it. That's the thing is beer is like makes everything better, right? It's like uh, eases the pain a little bit. Except for the editing and the writing part. Doesn't make that part better. <laughs> right, right. Well, the Giants are doing some editing of their own, right? Now they're into game time now. You're in Cactus League. You've played a few games, a few under your belt. I'm actually out in Scottsdale right now. I look out my window and... I want to say beautiful, sunny Scottsdale. It is beautiful, but I'm just looking at the the roof of like a car park. Like there's nothing uh, nothing special <laughs> out my window right now. Fabulous uh, but, <laughs> Scottsdale. That's, that's exactly <laughs> it. So we get into camp, and, and what do you think the key takeaways are, at least to start camp for the Giants? Because there are so many questions. There is a lot of evaluation. And we're almost in a situation where the Giants decided over the offseason not to bring back some of the veteran pieces like a Kevin Pillar or a Steven Vogt so that they could give an opportunity to some of the young guys that they brought in last year to sort of go in and take these jobs. What do you make of the competitions in camp early on, and, and what are you focused on most? I think the biggest competition is probably for center field. You know, Steven Duggar is the young guy with the upside, the defensive prowess to do the position. But Mike Yastrzemski is the bat, the guy who has the best bat of the group. Can he can he fake a center field? And then there's Billy Hamilton with the legs. If you could put them all together, you'd have the best player in baseball. But uh, unfortunately, you can't do that. It's illegal. And so, you know, I, I don't know exactly who's going to come out on top. I know that Billy Hamilton has shown how flawed his bat is in the past. And he may, to my mind, end up being the defensive replacement which means that they have to kind of decide if they want to go more offense first or more defense first with Duggar or Yastrzemski. That changes a lot of things about about Jalen Davis, if he gets playing time, Austin Slater, if he gets playing time. If they can stick Yastrzemski in center, then they can play some of the young guys in the corners. What do you make of a situation with a guy like Dubon who you bring in so much versatility around the diamond, and, and he's a guy who comes up as a shortstop, he played some second base, and now they're saying he can play some center field. I totally understand trying to give yourself as many options and elements as you can, but is there something to be said about a young guy coming to the majors, you think, without a specific role and maybe having to adapt to what Major League Baseball is, but also trying to learn a new position? You know, the Giants up and down in terms of player development are trying to instill this idea that you know, not necessarily positionless baseball, but like everybody needs to be able to play a lot of different positions. And they haven't quite done that with Joey Bart yet, but they've done that with other prospects of theirs. And they like the idea of keeping their options open when it comes to bringing somebody up for an injury or bringing them up because their bat is playing well. That goes with their organizational philosophy. The thing that I see Dubon as doing best is probably being the next shortstop. 
if Brandon Crawford's glove continues to go, I think Dubon might take more at-bats from him at shortstop. That's where his bat plays best. And if you look at the other acquisitions they've had, Wilmer Flores, Yolmer Sanchez, Donovan Solano, those three guys can play second, but they aren't that great at short. So I expect Dubon to be the, the primary backup at shortstop, maybe steal some at-bats against lefties at shortstop, and the other guys to play more second and backup corner. You mentioned Dubon potentially being that future shortstop. Being that I was out at Scottsdale Stadium earlier this week, you can tell the workouts for the Giants are a little bit different. Like the way they're doing the setup, it's almost like an old school, like pre-high school or pre-NCAA game where they're doing their infield outfield drills and Kai Correa, the bench coach, is hitting ground balls to every player and hitting fungos to the outfield. They look like they're putting a lot of emphasis on defense but I wonder when you've got an aging shortstop like Brandon Crawford you've got a hot corner with a veteran like Evan Longoria what's the defensive metric you use to gauge whether or not a guy has declined because we've heard that about Crawford a lot I feel like over the last I don't know year and a half or so yeah there's been some advancements recently StatCast has created a new stat called outs above average they just started doing it on the infield and so you can you can look at infielders through this stat now it's not necessarily something that's like baked in stone, but defensive stats have been so bad in the past that this is a real step forward. And Brandon Crawford ended up 114th out of 139 defenders on that metric. So I think that, you know, that sort of passes the eye test a little bit. He's very sure-handed, but he didn't have the range that he used to. He's not making the fabulous you know, diving plays that he used to as much. So I think it's the days are coming when he'll have to kind of transition to more of a backup role. Um, I don't think that necessarily he can move over to third or second unless the bat really plays up. So he's at a pivotal point in his career. He'll, he'll have to step it up bat-wise in order to make sure that he gets the playing time he's used to. There's so many topics with the Giants. Like, there's so many things I want to hit on, but it's so early in camp right now that, you, I mean, a lot is vague, right? There's There's very few specifics, it seems like, as far as the roster makeup goes for the Giants right now, one of the key things I think we're looking at are competitions throughout camp is going to be the starting rotation and how they build this bullpen because the rotation and bullpen roles are undefined. I want to go back to the first game of the Cactus League. Derek Rodriguez started for the Giants. we got to look at him. And they talked a lot about his velocity. I saw statistics saying that he was in the bottom 10% of starting pitcher velocity, average fastball velocity last year. He was around 89 miles an hour, whereas two years ago when he had great levels of success, he was in the 92-93 range. The Giants think they may have corrected something with him. Do you think that was a case of just exhaustion, having a full season on his right shoulder? Or do you think there's something that you saw declining with his metrics that maybe can define why it is he had a downtick in velocity last season? I mean, he's a really interesting player because he didn't used to be a pitcher. He used to be an outfielder, right, right. you know, new to it. You know, I wonder a lot of things about if he's had the same buildup in that arm if it, as, as younger guys that have been pitching more. You know, what is just age? You know, he's a little bit older than you'd expect. So if he does do that, then I think that it changes some things at the back end of that pen. Drew Smiley, at the back end of that rotation, Drew Smiley in particular has had some issues in the past, injury issues and performance issues. His rotation spot seems like it might be up for grabs if he doesn't have the best spring. And so you could go in with Rodriguez and Webb and kind of go for a youth movement in the back of the rotation, see what you can develop there a little bit. I have a lot of hopes for Webb long-term. 
and so, you know, I know that they've come to camp talking with him about some alterations to his pitch mix and some different changes to his mechanics. And I see a lot of the, the raw stuff, and maybe that Rodriguez was lacking last year in terms of the velocity is there, the changeup is there. He's He's got what he needs to succeed. I, I think a little bit of tinkering could really uh, set him on the right path. Well, and you got to wonder, like, when you bring in an entirely new staff like this, he's got new pitching coaches now who are getting a, a new look at him from a different scope for the first time, right? And, and Andrew Bailey and Brian Bannister, I was talking to Andrew Bailey earlier this week, and he said a lot of the offseason work with some of these young pitchers like Tyler Beatty and Derek Rodriguez and Sean Jelly out of the minor leagues was just sort of getting a, a foundation of trust with these guys because how can you pop in as a new pitching coach and say, yeah, change this X, Y, and Z, and now you're going to be a better pitcher? You've got to get these guys to buy into your philosophy. So I think a lot of that can have to do with the foundation they built in the offseason, but I wonder about what a new pitching coach and a new coaching staff can do for some of these young guys who maybe have hit a wall. You know, pitching is really, I think, the biggest opportunity for coaching. It just seems like a little bit of a change to your grip, a little bit of change to this, the movement change, a little bit of change to your mix and what you emphasize and what counts and stuff like that can be a real big difference maker in pitching. The problem is what's happening right now in pitching is that you're being infused with a lot of young coaches or at least coaches that don't have a lot of experience. If you don't have the experience, you don't have the cachet. They're not just going to be like, oh, you're Derek Johnson, you're Wes Johnson, you're this guy. I, I know who you are. I'm going to listen to you right away. A lot of these guys are used to be coaching high school two or three years ago. I mean, the Matt Blake, the pitching coach for the Yankees, was pitching high school literally five years ago. You know, Jarek Cole asked him, uh, you know, the other day in this Ken Rosenthal article, asked him how many mound visits have you made in your life, and he had to, he was counting on his hands. So, you know, when that happens, yes, the thing that's going to separate these new wave coaches, the ones that the ones that survive, the ones that thrive, are going to be actually the ones that are good coaches. You know, the ones that actually know how to do exactly what you're saying, which is hang out with them, listen to them, listen to what they think their strengths are, develop a sort of working relationship, a little bit of a friendship, a little bit of a camaraderie before you start saying, this is this is what I know and this is how you should do it. You can't come in like that because people will just be like, this guy's all full of bluster. He's, it, it, it's too much. You know, I, I don't I don't believe him. I don't, I'm not going to listen to him. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, yes, sir, and, and do whatever I would normally do anyway. So in order to get that buy-in you really do need to listen first and sometimes it takes a year and you know I know Matt Daniels got hired out of driveline to help them with their pitching stuff on the minor league level and I know that Tyler Beatty you know the reason he started throwing the slider last year I know that that was partially because of the revamp of the minor league pitching process but at the same time when you finally get the major league coaches that you kind of want to to fill out this process now you got Matt Daniels you got Brian Bannister you got everybody in place in terms of what you think you need to be done you still need to kind of wait a year you know you still kind of need to or wait a month at least sort of give them some time to know you as a human being first and I think that's probably what spring training is so good for you know it is a bit long but it gives you that month of hanging out it's uh, like recalibrating and getting to know the system and I think a year under these guys belts of doing that uh, with a new organization is definitely going to be beneficial but we're going to talk to you on Friday you know because we're going to do a second part interview with this we're going to talk A's baseball from Mesa here in Arizona because I'll be down here for the rest of the week so we're going to switch it up and then on Friday you know I'll bring the beers <laughs> beers oh yeah Catch the Big Daddy reference? No? Is that yeah, Big Daddy? Yeah. Maybe it's Mr. Deeds is what I'm referencing. Steve Buscemi. Anyway, you know, Saris, we'll read you in The Athletic, and we'll talk to you on Friday, man. All right. Thanks for having me. 
Good conversation on the San Francisco Giants with Eno Saris. And uh, we've been cracking jokes about his beer stuff for the last couple of weeks, but he is a noted beer expert. You should check out his piece in The Athletic from last week, A Beer Nerd's Guide to Baseball, ranking every stadium by craft beer offerings. And the Giants rank near the top, number three out of every ballpark in baseball as far as their craft beer offerings. I will say, you get yourself a Space Dust, little IPA there. They got it at a couple of stands at the ballpark. That's one of my all-time favorites. And you can't go wrong with an Anchor Steam brewed in San Francisco since 1896. If you didn't get enough of Enosaurus or you didn't get enough baseball talk, he's going to join us again on Friday. This time, we'll talk about what the A's plans are for this preseason, how they're going to manage that second base spot, and how they decide to build the back end of their bullpen. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, we ask that you rate, review, and subscribe anywhere that you get your podcasts. It's what we love here at The Athletic. Thank you to everybody who listened today. Thank you to Brian, Tanika, Eno Saris. We will talk to him again on Friday, this time talking about the Oakland A's. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.